Do you know where you are? I'm in the jungle, baby! I'm Red Scott. And I'm Ivan Hernandez. This is Boys Going Swords. The third best The Young Pope podcast on the internet. That show looks fucking insane. I don't know what HBO's doing. Well, for for the people who are not our Patreon supporters, which, by the way, we thank and make this podcast possible, patreon.com slash swords, we have decided to do a Westworld recap. We're taking a break from the book club. Uh, and for the next... fucking God, because let me tell you, I hate books, I hate reading, unless those books are written by me or my friends. I, and they're great, but when they're not... Eesh, I, I still like doing book club. A lot of people thought we both hate book club. A lot of people think we both have the same opinion on a lot of things that I'm just yes and in while we're talking. <laughs> a lot of people think that this is actually one person doing the voices of both Ivan and Red, and I'm not going to disabuse them of that notion. So we are, we're, we're going to recap. This, this podcast is going to drop on Saturday. You're going to be like, a new podcast on Saturday. And then Sunday, you're going to be like, oh, no, there's two. When am I going to catch up? And then the <laughs> third one's going to drop on Monday, and you're just going to kill yourself. I get it. It's a lot of Westworld content in a short amount of time. Then we'll be caught up and dropping our normal uh, Sunday night, Monday morning podcast with your Westworld content. We have recorded, I think it's five podcasts in the last seven days. To the people who do give us dollars in return, you are cool. <laughs> Everybody likes you. Men and or women think that you're sexually attractive, unless that's not a thing you want at all, in which case your asexuality is uh, really a credit to you and us all. <laughs> if you give us money, I guarantee you will get an inch on whatever piece of genitalia you want an inch on. I don't know if that's going to be one inch on that cock or if it's going to be one inch deeper on that pussy, but it's going to happen for you. All thanks to the Boars Gorn Swords Patreon, which you can contribute to at patreon.com slash Boars Gore Swords. Swords. Just Boars Gore Swords. Yeah. Sometimes it's Boars Gore and no, Swords. No, don't put that in there. Boars Gore Swords. And no, it's just Boars Gore Swords. And if this is your first time listening, well, you get a free one before that warning applies. <laughs> So we were, we are, we've already covered the first one. This is Season 1, Episode 2, Chestnut. It aired October 9th, which is 13 days ago. Director mm. is Dick J. Lewis and written by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, the husband and wife creator of, of uh, Westworld, the show that we are watching. Uh, shall I do the previously on Westworld? Previously on Westworld. Do you know where you are? I'm in the jungle, baby! Wait, she's supposed to be in Jungle World. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality or watched Inception? <laughs> you and everyone you know could use better scripting. It's the code you added. The kill all humans code. That doesn't look like anything to me. A.K.A. that feeling when she asked who's that girl on your timeline. These violent delights have violent ends is the worst Godiva slogan yet. What do you want? Endgame perps. Last question, Dolores. Would you ever hurt a living thing? No! Never! And that what? was previously on Westworld. Why did you tell me you could do an Axl Rose voice this whole time? <laughs> this whole time! We're still learning things about each other. That needs to be in almost every podcast. That was such a good, is, that was such a good Axl Rose. This is, this is truly the hallmark of a great relationship. Listen, if we knew everything about each other, how boring would this podcast be? We need to be uncovering those little gems every so often. You in the jungle, baby. All right. You're gonna die! Wake up, Dolores. So, has this- Wake up, Dolores. 
grab a brush and put a little makeup. <laughs> oh my god, that's a really good. Uh, that, that was a, well, that was a terrible surge, but oh, that was an awful surge, great Anakin, But it was a good reference. Wake up, Dolores. The same opening is in the first episode with Hemsworth the Elder, uh, whose name I believe is Ashley Stubbs. <laughs> I can't believe some of these names. Yeah, I, Ashley Stubbs t- talking to like Ashley Stubbs, Lee Sizemore, uh, William and Logan. Which, uh, just the fact that a character's named Logan feels like a low key X Men reference that I'm not hip on. <laughs> you didn't watch the trailer for Logan, aka Old Wolverine. <laughs> no, why would I? Why would I do that? The uh, Marvel movies keep tricking me. I'll probably end up seeing another one. Honestly, fucking no. the first no. Wolverine movie was the worst movie ever made. The second Wolverine movie was okay. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> no, I'm definitely right there. Wrong. No. Uh, so she's asked if she remembers. She gets out of bed, then walks to her farm. The first time I watched this, I had forgotten that this same scene bookends the whole episode because it completely cuts mm-hmm. to a different storyline um, with with more context. <laughs> we, have- uh, aka Liam McPoyle, White Knight. Yes. Well, I I love that Jimmy Simpson is in this so fucking much because all I think is Liam McPoyle. That's how ingrained that character is in my psyche as far as this actor. And I've seen him in other stuff. This man works. He's oh, yeah. Stuff. He's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but all I think is fucking Liam McPoyle drinking a big old glass of milk. So Jimmy Simpson as William... Wakes up on a train with Logan, uh, Ben Barnes, across from him. And so there's an attractive waitress. He's, like, clearly groggy, and he's like, oh, attractive woman. And then Logan sees him uh, sort of groggily leering at her. Says, where we're going, she's a two. And then, so this episode was released two days after uh, the Trump grab her by the pussy tape. Beautiful and it is a perfect example of how you handle somebody like Trump saying, like, hey, let's objectify women. He just responds, you're being an asshole. He, he says, I, like, hey, let's go have some fun. And he responds it back, like, you're being a dick. Like, he doesn't give in to it. He's just like, you're a terrible person. And that's yeah, all you had to I, do, Billy Bush. That's what Billy Bush. I, and then throw him off never, the train. And then throw him off the train. I never get these friendships where it's like one guy is a real nice guy and the other guy's a huge piece of shit. But on the same hand, I don't understand male friendships anyway. Male friendships are like they're not that hard. Like once I've hung out with somebody for like ten or eleven years and we've never disagreed once. Like usually by that <laughs> point, like we're pretty close. We're halfway there. You can, you yeah, I know. We're, we're not. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, but, you, you can ask Chad. We met when we were seventeen, <laughs> and now he is my only male friend. <laughs> but first of all, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> Second of all, I was talking to somebody and I was like, "Yeah, I don't have any male friends except for Red and OJ, and that's it." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're definitely male friends <laughs> to the extent that you're allowed to call that it. We have to call it a male friendship. It is a male friendship. That's different from the standard baseline societal friendship, which involves women. <laughs> this is a special <laughs> third category of friendship that I, science I is yet to even how- endorse. I don't understand those guys who are like, yeah, men and women can't ever be friends ever when it's like, homie, I can only be friends with women. <laughs> They're so nice. And generally, uh, there's very little sexual tension. 
Not, if at all. That's a, maybe that's your experience. Everybody's everybody's always like, oh, male female relationships. There's so much sexual tension. If there isn't sexual tension at the start, which result in immediately us fucking, then we're going to be great friends. Nah, maybe that's your experience. I have to walk around <laughs> with a fucking water bottle with ice in it to spray these hoes down. <laughs> <laughs> and by hoes, you're talking about straight cats, right? Yes. You, you, keep, you keep spraying those cats that keep coming after you. All right. So we got William and Logan, male friends, uh, mm-hmm. which their relationship... Once I, I I have to I have to say this to you, dear listener. Uh, listening to our podcast is a great idea because it gives me a reason to watch these sober, which I would never do otherwise. <laughs> because it's it's the perfect like late night. I come home Sunday, like I have a drink and watch, but there's so many details you have to catch. So if you're like me, uh, this is this is a great time to pick up on things. So I'm pretty sure this is. Uh, so we know a couple things between William and Logan. So I believe that William is engaged to logan's sister huh did they they didn't say no so maybe not engaged maybe just in a relationship with uh but like the first thing because it's a high dime world i'm like this is the kind of lame thing you'd get pulled into on a bachelor party so i had that in my head uh when they were going i thought that they i thought that they were work friends so i believe they also work work together oh okay or or work or work in the same industry uh Mm -hmm. so the line that I didn't Cause catch because they were brand new characters and I wasn't sure how long they were sticking around is when Logan is walking off with a man and a woman. Where they show in the b- show. By the way, he is so the evil bisexual trope. It's crazy <laughs> that nobody was like, are we sure that we should make him an evil bisexual? Well, I mean, I feel like Kevin Spacey made it cool again with House of Cards. <laughs> That, that was, or his own personal lifestyle. That was the only show I, honestly, where... Honestly, I think you can take the buy out of that. <laughs> yes. Oh, definitely. Uh, but that was the only show where people were watching like, dude, look at this fucking evil bisexual. It's the best! <laughs> Relationship goals. So uh, so as he's walking off, he's literally... And, and William is acting very prudish. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says... Uh, he's like, you think your sister... I No, he says... My sister rode her share of cowboys when she came to the park. Like he's literally trying to be like your girlfriend fucks some cowboys. Oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't parse that as that. I thought it was just, you know, his sister came here separately and not, you know, him fucking being in a relationship with that sister. I, I might be being informed by the third episode as well where they make that they make it more explicit that William is dating Logan's sister. Oh, okay. I, so I didn't catch and that that, that maybe that makes sense now, but I'm pretty sure that's what's happening at this point. All right. Also, I, it uh, by the way, I go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I, uh, I love the, I love when she was like, uh, do you, do you have any existing conditions? Do you have any mental illnesses? Because that's also the questionnaire they give you when you buy an Oculus Rift. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I bet it is. Uh, I didn't put this together, but go with me here. If they, if they cast, like, when you cast somebody for a movie, you generally have a more attractive version of them. Mm-hmm. If they cast one of Trump's kids in a movie, it would be Logan. <laughs> he, would, he would absolutely be the actually attractive version of a Trump kid. By the way, did you see that photo of the fucking really vampire-looking Trump kid at the In-N-Out where he is drinking lemonade out of the free water cup? <laughs> if that doesn't tell you every single fucking thing you need to know about these assholes... Then nothing will tell it to you. <laughs> he walks in and he bites off the bottom of the cup with a Bible verse and swallows it. <laughs> so William is a... Pro- the, I, I, uh, uh, go ahead. 
Oh, no, no, no. Please. Please, sir. William is approached by a woman. As a male friend, <laughs> I would like you to go ahead. Thank you, fellow male friend. <laughs> May we be forever allies to each other. Williams is approached by a woman in a white dress. I asked him about the health information. I thought you couldn't get hurt here. Only the right amount. Deciding what you do is half the fun. Um, so we're getting the whole description that this is a video game and you can do video yeah. game things if you want. Uh, I thought you couldn't get hurt here. We're not exactly sure on the rules either. <laughs> They're really not. They're, because there is... The, the, a lot of shit starts to kind of fall apart as far as the rules of the guns go when you get to the third episode. So I am going to – so we have seen to the end of the third episode as you are listening to this. Mm. Uh, I think I am going to assume that everybody who is catching up on this has heard to the end of the third episode. I won't do any major spoilers, but there's some um, some minor theories that were contradicted by the third episode that I will not go into as deeply because of that. And some uh, other stuff that was informed by that you might not have caught the first time through that's worth mentioning. If so, that the, I'm going to assume you've seen through the end of the third. If if you want to be fresh as snow when you see that third episode and you haven't yet, uh, you can feel free to pause it now and watch. Why aren't you watching that while you listen to a podcast about it? Because you're driving. Not a good enough excuse. You've got the HBO app on your phone. It could be happening <laughs> in your car right now. Look, if you've got a Tesla, you can just use that feature where it replaces your entire windshield with the uh, screen of whatever app you're yeah, using. If you get into an accident and people see that you're was- watching Westworld, no court could convict you. <laughs> exactly, because you can just shoot the judge because he's a robot. Yeah. So he walks into a room and there's – and the what we find out to be a host says, everything here is bespoke. Uh, I'm not – so I looked around that room. I'm not joking. If everything in that room was bespoke, it would be more than $40,000 worth of clothes. <laughs> I knew that that was the thing you were going to quibble about. <laughs> if there was one thing you were going to quibble about, yes! it was the bespoke nature of the clothing. I, I was like – because at first I was looking at it. I was like, well, maybe it's like stuff that can be repurposed or it's like panels that they can assemble into bespoke. I was like, no, it's pre-made bespoke clothing. I was like, that is a huge waste of resources and money. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to assume that 3D printing technology has uh, advanced enough that they just 3D print this stuff the second they get his measurements. I accept that explanation fully. And if they contradict that, I'm going to be very upset. That is canon now. By, uh, by the way, the the I I don't think that that lady is a robot, even though she does call herself a host. Because... Do tell. She, I mean, she describes herself as a host, but I believe the way she acts and the fact that she is cognizant of the fact that, you know, the hosts are traditionally assumed to be robots. Yes. Uh, uh, proves that she is a human. Because I don't think that they would trust a robot if they can't, you know, trust them out in the fucking Westworld, that they would trust them to do the orientation for all of this. I, I just... I disagree. Uh, also, because up to up through everything we've seen, the third episode, uh, the society mm. has not wandered hugely from our our Western Judeo Christian norms very much, mm-hmm. and I don't think they would have a non-host be a. a, a, a my, my, the line that she crosses is she is very obviously explicitly willing to have sex with him. Oh, okay, okay. You've never been to one of those hotels where it's like super fucking fancy and they're like, hey, you can fuck anybody you want. I, I mean, I haven't either, but I know that they exist. I, 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 I think she is a host. I think they consider the – as from the moment they get off the train, they consider that part of the park. And, and oh. it's much easier to make sure somebody does the orientation correctly if they're a machine that's been programmed to do it. 
<laughs> yeah, I just don't get why, like, these machines can know that they're machines, but the machines in Westworld can't know under any circumstance that they're I, machines. If, if I wanted to give a technical made-up reason, which I will do right now, watch me filling in backstory on the fly. It, w- <laughs> it would be that the hosts at this point are earlier generation, more primitive hosts. Mm, that are okay. uh, that are just explicitly less complex um, to avoid problems like that. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're mostly that's she did have uh, less expression. That they're they're basically. By the way, I figure this is how they control traffic in the park. This is a cost saving mm-hmm. mechanism. I'm going to guess 88 percent of guests never leave the fuck room that they start in. <laughs> that's what everybody keeps saying that on Twitter too, and it's like. Why does everybody go to Westworld? We can just go to Fuck World. Yeah, you're already there. <laughs> uh, yeah, any. I, I would love that. I would love that. Those two two people comparing their Westworld experiences. It's like, yeah, I had so much fun. I went out in the desert. I, I wrangled some steer, and the other guy's just like, I never left the first room. <laughs> I I also had... I never I never got past the tutorial sequence. Yeah. They do ask the question, though, that they pose it as a rhetoric one, and I'm like, there's a real answer that he should be giving when, when he says, are you real? If, if you can't tell, does it matter? Yes, I'm going to be stabbing and shooting a lot of the fake ones, and I do not want to go to jail. I do not want to go to jail. I want to I just have fun. So it does matter. It really does. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I, I, I do believe that there are multiple times in this episode where the thesis statement of the series is spoken out loud by characters. <laughs> it's, I, I'm okay with it just because the rest of the show is so good. It's, it's clumsy and lovable is how I describe it. <laughs> so I'm going to refer to uh, uh, the area where they're doing repairs and sort of working on stuff as backstage. Does that term resonate with you? Uh, that term resonates with me. All right. So they're to the backstage area with uh, Elsie, who we'd been calling Lady Creep last episode, mm-hmm. and Bernard, who we were just calling Creep Creep. Uh, but by the way, by the way, I did mess up uh, between Lady Creep and Boss Creep in the previous episode. Oh, no. Oh, did somebody correct you? Yeah. No, I, I listened to it. My, by the way, that was one of the few times I've ever immediately listened to a <laughs> podcast that I myself recorded. It was a good episode. But to be fair, they do resemble each other. And they are both creeps. And they are both creeps. Elsie uh, wants to pull Dolores in case she's been infected by contact with Habernathy, uh, the character who mm. played her father. As I mentioned in the last episode, uh, the movie Westworld is credited with the popularization of virus as metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, th- so there's a little bit of that still spread through where they're like, there's no way it could spread between these hosts. And they're like, but... You know, we live in a world where that actually happens all the time, so uh, he's less less blown away by this concept. By the way, do we do we know if there's ever like going to be a break in weeks between these episodes of Westworld? Because I do think that at this point, if we're going to go full Westworld podcast, we should probably watch the movie. We will watch the movie at some point. I've also spoken to so weirdly, uh, uh, friend. Will Scoville is a big fan. Will Scoville is not only he's a huge fan, like he. He didn't just like this movie. He watched it a lot as a child. And mm-hmm. also, I, as much as I've been reading about this, I managed to not notice that they'd made one of the like all-time terrible sequels. They made a sequel to the movie. <laughs> Future World. There's yeah. Future World, uh, which he has also watched many times. Um, and if you try and talk to him about the show, it's very frustrating because he, he'll be like, yeah, they did that in the movie. Or no, they didn't do that in the movie. So we need to just bring him on 
and verify and just check all the things whether they did or didn't happen in the movie. I will give you uh, when we were talking about basement level AV eighty three with the sort of mall like area in the first episode, mm-hmm. uh, the giant globe that the, is at the bottom of this uh, stairwell is says Davos on it, which was the name of the parent company in the movie. Oh, okay. Huh. So there you go. Well, I guess this really is an adaptation of the Michael Crichton film Westworld. Apparently. I mean, they do credit him with every episode. So ah. cut to... Uh, so Elsie wants to pull Dolores, and they cut to Dolores remembering everyone dead on the main street in town. And weirdly, a direwolf is running through that scene. I think that this is the Game of Thrones crossover that George proposed. Exactly. It's it's happening. <laughs> Maeve, the madam at the General Sin store, tries to get uh, her out of the way while remaining in character. And Dolores is full PTSD, does not respond in character. She says she gives the violent delights have violent ends before walking off back into her storyline. Yeah, she, she drops the verbal meme, which makes robots go fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot, too, about... Oh, man, they could transfer information in so many ways as biological androids. <laughs> uh, William, there's one final touch. Which do you prefer? There are... So he has gotten dressed in this? his bespoke clothing. And I... Listen, only 5% don't get this reference, but I'm going to explain it because it's important. Uh, there are six hat styles. That part's not important. But you get the choice <laughs> of black or white... He, of course, has chosen to go with the white hat, which is a hacker metaphor. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's people who sort of... White hats versus black hats. You know, test security to try and make it stronger. Those are referred to as white hat hackers. And black hats who are trying to break in to destroy things or steal things or that kind of <laughs> things. Generally referred to as black hat hackers. Um, as we're all familiar from the film Black Hat. Yes. No. The greatest example of hacking in any medium. Fortunately, no human character has chosen a bowler yet. Uh, so that's good news. I, I can't wait till somebody comes out just wearing a white jumpsuit and then the black bowler and a monocle. And we'll be like, oh, no, this is, this is not going to go oh, well. This, guy, this guy's really sending mixed messages. Well, well he's sending uh, messages that he's going to be a late 60s sociopath. <laughs> what oh, God, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of that movie what's the movie where they like hold the guy's eyelids open clockwork orange clockwork orange thank you thank you you're welcome <laughs> male friend <sighs> best male friend by the way i think i think that we should name this episode male friends forever <laughs> i well if we're trying to get people to not listen to it <laughs> oh okay okay all right fair enough fair enough the logan logan describes the park to william uh, it's not guns and tits and stuff that I usually enjoy. Uh, it's an answer to the question, who you really are. Uh, I- Honestly, when he said this, I was like, look, if everybody doesn't know their D&D character alignment by the age of 25, then you're just fucked. Yeah, it's, it's too late to be figuring that out. Yeah, by the way, chaotic good. <laughs> I, I, I'm just law-abiding good, normal good. <laughs> lawful good. You're lawful good. Lame, That's one of the alignments. Lame good. <laughs> you fucking asshole. It's like, oh, I'm going to be a paladin. I'm a fucking ranger, baby. So we, we go into the park, uh, and there's a scene where a man is being hung by a posse, which it just seems cool that they're, like, hanging somebody when nobody's there to witness it. Like, I feel like they should have proximity sensors, and then when people roll up, uh, that then it it becomes a little different. Oh, so one thing, there there was a theory that... 
I a lot of people really enjoyed, including myself, for the second episode that mm-hmm. William uh, might be actually back in time thirty years, and might actually be the Man in Black. Mm-hmm. Oh, that uh, that falls apart though. That but that falls apart. So yeah, uh, that bummed me out. I, I, so oh, no, there was the the there was the Arnold is uh, the man in black theory uh-huh. uh, that also doesn't hold up. Why not? Uh, well, we haven't got. Well, let's wait till we introduce Arnold in the next episode. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll be, we'll be able to talk about that in episode three, which we record tomorrow because we're recording <laughs> nine podcasts in eight days. Goddamn, we're heroes. <laughs> Give us money. A weird massacre scene, which makes no sense because he's invulnerable and there are no consequences. I, I, now that I know that fucking they haven't actually settled on what the rules for guns are, I'm actually okay with them not having shown that scene because of how awkward it would have played out. Yeah, agreed. Also, so one thing we get, we've shown the man in black getting shot and just not reacting at all, but we're also shown in a, a little bit later scene, William... Uh, getting shot and sort of reacting like he was hit by a paintball. Yeah. Yeah, so there is not any sort of, you know, uh, unified field theory of guns in fucking Westworld. Uh, yeah, I I think, uh, again, getting ahead of ourselves, but I, I, I question whether or not the Arthur thing holds up. I, I might have some twists on that. All right. Uh, so, All right. so maybe he's going to have some, like, maybe... Maybe his hesitance is in his view. He has to deal with some real shitty quick time events to make this happen. That'd be great if he had. If all. If Westworld is essentially the world's biggest telltale game. Yes. That explains why it's constantly glitching out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole plot. This is basically Telltale in 3D. <laughs> it really is. He tosses. By the way, lo- I can't wait. I can't wait until they make the Telltale Westworld game and time folds in on itself. Yes, oh, it's going to happen. Well, I mean, they're already they've already introduced uh, the Wu Tang Clan into Luke Cage, which, by the way, causes so many continuity errors, which are in the show. At one point, somebody uses John Blaze, which is a uh, slang term derived from one of Method Man's nicknames because it's also the name of Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze. But the Ghost Rider, which currently exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is Robbie Reyes. So that means that there is a pre-established Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze wandering out there somewhere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Listen, I could go on about this for fucking years. The second where your voice just cracked the tiniest bit was the purest, Wasn't it hilarious? purest Wasn't bit it of joys I've ever heard. It's amazing. <laughs> Lawrence does the standard Westworld introduction uh, to a friend. He tosses him another friend's scalp. Like, see, we have mutual friends. <laughs> we have so much hey, in common. Hey, have you ever met this guy? Womp. <laughs> did, did you ever notice he had a maze on the inside of his skin <laughs> on his skull? <laughs> and so he drags him along behind him, which is very reminiscent uh, of many scenes, but uh, in our context, the Game of Thrones scene where the wine merchant tries to poison Khaleesi in season one or two, and he gets uh, mm-hmm. dragged behind the wagon. But this guy, we don't see his big old dong just hanging out and slapping around. By the way, I, I really hope that the culmination of Ed Harris's subplot is that the endgame content was in him all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I... You say that as a joke, but that just feels like one of the things that might accidentally be true in a way that How? we're not anticipating. 
hilarious would it be if he gets to the maze and it's just an NPC going, congratulations, the DLC was in you all along. As long as you give me three ninety nine. <laughs> Maeve, Maeve is doing her seduce a newcomer monologue, which is uh, a, yep. a, a, an oh. arc in this episode. But by, by the way, you, you skipped over it. Go. Radiohead on the player piano. Radiohead on the player piano. One of my... No surprises. Very good piano. I think the best... Like, the, the Paint It Black one was fun. Uh, this is my favorite where I'm just like, hey, stop talking, and I'm trying to listen to that. Oh, no, and there's more coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Nolan apparently told... Uh, oh, and it's uh, uh, the the guy who does the music is also Ramin Jawali. Yeah. Uh, from Game of Thrones. Going back to that for a second, I, I feel like we need yeah. a new theme for that episode, but it's not as catchy as all as the Game of Thrones. I know theme. how do how, how do we how do we do the how, do, how am I supposed to the acapella this Westworld thing? Here, 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 sing, sing a Westworld thing real quick, shorter I, than ten seconds. Oh fuck, shorter than ten seconds. Fuck, I can't, I can't because I forgot exactly how it goes because I haven't seen it fucking eighteen times. Then yet. make one up. <laughs> Next episode. Wait, you're gonna drop this episode tonight, right? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Let me try. West World, it's a West World. We're going out to the West World. James Marsden dies. <laughs> there we go. I think that I think if I might ex- I might extend that in the episode. Th- that'd be you know what? Every episode I'm going to tack more and more onto my West World theme song ne- until by the end of the season we have a full theme. Ne- yeah, next next time I'm going to have you do it live. We're going to start the episode differently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to be ready for that that time. <laughs> All right. So, by the way, by the way, the guy Tandy Newton is trying to fuck looks exactly like Asian Colin Hanks. Uh so he does, but also uh so Tandy Newton is Maeve. Correct? Yeah. Oh, and fucking finally, finally getting a good showcase for her talents cuz she is doing great work this episode. She's, she does she, great work every fucking thing. Uh, by the way, I I looked up I looked up Tandy Newton's IMDb because I was like I want to watch her in some really good movies that she's the star of. Uh-huh. Homeboy, it's hard to find movies that Tandy Newton is directly the star of. What well, women have it tough in this fucking business. But but also I mean listen I'm not, I'm not saying women do have it tough in that business. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm yeah. I'm also not going to project onto Tandy Newton's career when people like Jeff Goldblum also exist. Who's just like I don't want that much work. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He works all the time. No, no. My point is, but he's never a main character. He's always, he's always. Oh, oh, never, oh! Really? You've never seen The Fly. You've never seen Earth Girls Are Easy. Fine. Since I've been seven, <laughs> I and I, I will. It has taken so much restraint, but I have not seen the first Richard Curtis movie, The Tall Man, starring Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Which everybody agrees is a very mediocre first effort. <laughs> Fair enough. Have you? By the way, did you see Independence Day two? No. Why is everybody tweeting about that? Because it just came out on video. Oh. Which, by the way, happened very quickly. That movie did not do well remotely. I mean, the first movie didn't even age well. Why would the second one be good? <laughs> he literally like when the, when he pulls the the like alien out of the ship and punches it it looks like he's punching a rubber muppet <laughs> because he is yeah that is a rubber muppet Th- this by the way if you can't get will smith for your shitty sequel don't even bother yeah uh, and and like there's there's a scene where they their airfield is airbombed 
And if you watch mm-hmm. that scene, they didn't even... I don't know if they... They probably didn't have the CGI technology, uh, so they don't actually blow anything up. And so if you watch <laughs> that scene closely, there are, like, fireballs going up, but nothing on the ground that's, like, heavy, like a plane or a truck, is moving. Yeah. Like, there's just fireballs going up clearly in front of them. You, you don't see anything, like, buckle or get hit. None of their, like, F-16s are damaged at all. They're fine. You can just hop in those and fly away. It's, it's one of the worst, most obvious uh, special effects scenes I've ever seen. Uh, those fucking guys with the worst directors. I rewatched 2012 the other day just because it was on and I hate myself. Terrible movie. Awful. I ended up watching part of the fucking Ameri- first American Godzilla remake the other day. And I was like, how did they trust these guys with this much money this many times? You truly cannot lose as a man in Hollywood. I, when you said I saw the first American Godzilla remake, I expected you to end that sentence with, and Matthew Broderick is a national treasure. <laughs> Listen, everybody knows that Matthew Broderick is a national treasure. I mean, my God, the producers alone. Uh, but that fucking Godzilla movie, yikes. And I thought yikes when I saw it in theaters as a child, but yikes. I'm just mad they made the true Godzilla remake, Pacific Rim. <laughs> Listen, that fucking, that, uh, that uh, Gareth Edwards Godzilla was not bad at all. Hmm. No. All right. So, so we, we have this repeating arc of Maeve doing her seduce a newcomer monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems very overwhelmed, and at the point in her monologue to the guests, she starts remembering getting getting scalped, which throws her off feeling sexy. Like you know how yeah. it is when you're like trying to seduce someone, and they seem into it, but then you remember you were scalped in a past life, and it's really hard to like maintain your flow. <laughs> when is Loveline going to address that? Come yeah. on, Dr. Drew. <laughs> oh, Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla, they, were, they just need to get off the radio at this point. Oh, I mean, Adam Carolla's been off the radio and on podcasting for fucking years now, but Dr. Drew is definitely taking a shit turn. So we cut to Maeve backstage. Her pupillary mm-hmm. response is good. Smile is good. I'd fuck her. What's the problem? Are those the only uh, two uh, things people are looking at? It's like... What, yes! what if, if a woman This is Westworld. If, if a woman's pupillary response and her smile is good, like what else do you need? <laughs> By the way, this is this was the point where I was like, damn, this really is a video game studio. Yeah, yeah, they they give zero fucks. Uh-huh. They double her aggressiveness, which seems like a bad and rash response to anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, the problem was that the robots aren't aggressive enough. <laughs> Ugh. Uh we cut to Bernard plus Ford. Uh, By the way, this this scene where I, I, I was like, why are these lights blinking? What is the problem with the electrical grid in this place? That's a good point. I, I kind of hadn't noticed this. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're going to imply... No, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. It was just a thing to uh, creep people out as they were watching the weird robots get made. It didn't serve any actual purpose, and it actually uh, takes away uh, from the show, if you think about it, more than five seconds. I will say they've done something genius, which is put some obvious things that you're going to misinterpret incorrectly in the first episode, so that when you see them corrected in the second and third episode, you give them more of a benefit of the doubt going forward because you don't want to look like an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> oh no this is definitely one of those shows where i was like i'm not gonna get i'm uh, they're not gonna lost me on this one <laughs> uh, man people keep telling me the leftovers is great and i just don't believe them why would i watch 
watch that fucking stupid show. I kind of I kind of enjoyed watching like half of the first season, and then I was like, he doesn't know where he's going, and I fucking bailed on oh, it. And everybody's like, the second season's amazing. Uh, fucking Lind- here's the thing about me and Damon Lindelof. Never again. <laughs> that man has tricked me directly so many fucking times. Prometheus alone. My God. My God. But also his... But did you know that Damon Lindelof wrote an Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk miniseries where there was, I believe, a four-year delay between issues? Of course I knew that. I know everything about the (laughs) Marvel Universe. I just like bringing that up. So Bernard plus Ford? I don't know if the... What, what's the term for oh. the Da Vinci? Like, is it a Truvian man? It's got it's a Vitruvian man. Truvian man. By the way, by the way, I keep meaning to bring the bring this up because I think it's one of the few things that is in our Venn diagram of interest. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Kurt Schilling had a terrible failed RPG? Yes, I didn't know he had a terrible failed RPG. What? Why haven't we talked about Kingdom of Amalur Reckoning? Well, I knew it existed, but I haven't played it. It's just one of those things you see. You see a terrible. Uh, car accident on the side of the highway and some people just like want to stop like ask the cops what's happening like really stare at it for a while and i just looked over and was like Ugh. and i tried to get out of the lane and like drive by faster so i haven't i haven't gotten that in depth on it oh uh, i i mean nobody did that's why it failed and took the studio down with it i just like that kurt Schilling. no he is being such an asshole and he how is everybody not just going your video game failed yeah. Your video game failed, Kurt Schilling. Why are you trying to be a person now? Well, I mean, there's a great history of people writing video games that shouldn't and getting on with their lives. Douglas Adams is among them. <laughs> oh, you didn't like the Starship Titanic game? Nobody liked that game. <laughs> uh, I can't. Yeah. So I don't know if the Truvian Man machines are CGI or practical, but they look really good. I really mm-hmm. like the effect of them like spitting around. I don't know why they're doing it. Uh, they need to be milked, apparently. But <laughs> it's 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 a cool effect. And Bernard... Oh, my God. What what if this is the same liquid as the milk Milk Boy was drinking? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Bernard suggests it might be sabotage. Ford puts mm-hmm. him off that scent, probably because he's doing it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, the, there's so much going on with Ford that I'm going to completely assume that robot uprising is his doing yeah there is no way that you can fucking infer anything else from this william and logan enter the town william oh oh, by the way by the way i really love when he was like people shouldn't be diddling with the robots when people are diddling with those robots oh constantly constantly William bumps into a host and apologizes logan says are you kidding go fuck yourself uh logan is logan is really trying I, I feel like William thought he was entering uh, a role-playing server, and Logan thought this was strict PvP, and they haven't like <laughs> figured that out yet. They, have, they haven't figured out yeah. a way to have fun with each other. Oh, no. He is completely just trying to break the systems. Yeah. I, it's, William, <laughs> Logan thinks it's a PvP and P&V server. <laughs> lo- lo- Logan is going to try to uh, kite an end boss into town to see what happens. <laughs> I would love that. That would be... That'd be amazing. He kites the Indian chief into town. <laughs> and they just start scalping guests. Maybe that's how it'll start. Uh, Dolores is packing up her uh, her horse and freezes. We then cut to backstage. Her in a room with Bernard having a conversation. You haven't told anyone about our little talks. 
which she is not, steps her into analysis. Has anyone updated your core heuristics? She says no, but apparently there's a vocal command that erases your track, so I wouldn't trust that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, listen, you're going to trust a robot to tell you it hasn't been fucked with? When there's a command that you can use that says, hey, don't tell anybody that you've been fucked with. <laughs> Here's how you get around that. Has anybody told you to uh, use the command that has uh, told you not to be fucked with? I, I, it, depending on how they implemented it, what later it could be in firmware. We don't know. We don't know. Um, I, I can't. I can't wait until they they, uh, they do the uh, uh, teardown of the Westworld robots. <laughs> oh, that well, it's kind of the, the early ones. Interesting are are hinted at in the next episode. So we'll oh, we get that. a we get a good view of the early ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and those are robot robots. Those, I, I, that was one of the most disappointing things to me because that suggests that you know we're on along the same evolutionary path, and that they are, technically speaking, robots. Robots. They're all robots. Have I? These scenes with Dolores are great. She gets in some great lines. Have I done something wrong? No. Have you done something wrong? Whoa! She knows. <laughs> I can't wait until she starts fucking shooting people. The, that is going to be some good Evan Rachel Wood acting. There's so many good scenes backstage where you can feel them like pushing to get the firm, firmament of their reality, and soon enough, one of them is just going to punch through. Mm-hmm. Uh, May they they show Maeve with her upgraded aggressive protocol is now harassing a naive newcomer physically, making that woman obviously uncomfortable, destined for a refund. Oh yeah, and this is definitely the video game version of aggressive sex worker for sure. Ma- Maeve uh, has a conversation with Clementine. Mm-hmm. Clement, the weirdest thing about this interaction is that Clementine is yawning. Like, I feel like if you are having a a world of adventure, like the one thing you wouldn't do is just have random characters yawning in the background, like they're bored with it. Uh, oh no, no, no! That, that that's actually something I love. Anytime you're playing a video game and you like put the controller down, and after a few seconds, the character starts to become bored with himself. Yeah, I love that. Okay, fair enough. She's yawning. It's not part of the storyline. They have the line. I told you, never you open your mouth that wide unless someone's paying you. Which is <laughs> very clever. Indeed. Uh, we find out that they can do on-the-fly character adjustments from uh, the uh, command center. Right. Uh, yeah, they can. So the people who are backstage looking around, they can just like upload a new change, switch rolls out. Um, and Clementine says that she has ha- been having nightmares, and that's why she's tired. And Maeve gives mm-hmm. her the advice to count backwards from three, and then you'll just wake up. Oof. Which. Oof. Oof. So, right, as you were mentioning, uh, Hemsworth the Elder, aka Ashley Stubbs, puts Clementine into Maeve's role. Maeve's been demoted. It's like, only one strike in this world. Mm-hmm. Teresa's Colin, uh, Teresa Cullen and Bernard. <clears throat> we, we just get a simple conversation. Be ready for the update. She's talked to the board and is stressed. She only smokes when she gets back from the board, which is something oh, oh, worth It's corporate. Corporate. Yeah. 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 Corporate. So that establishes corporate as a separate off-screen entity. Well, Matt, and I can already imagine... Uh, what what the guy from corporate's gonna look like? Just so. oh, this is going to be the whitest, oldest asshole we've ever met. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to think who it could possibly be. I'm I'm honestly I'm gonna go Titus Welliver. I think a Titus Welliver type is definitely gonna be the fucking uh, corporate dude. Not Titus Andromedus. 
<laughs> I would love a Titus Andromedon type. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. We got Willie and Logan back in the park. How do you tell them from us? Quickest way to find out, he points a gun at him, and it's like, be civilized. Yeah, yeah. Let, fucking leave those NPCs alone. What if somebody else wants to go on a quest? He is completely breaking so many quest lines. It's the worst. But I would, love, I would love it if somebody walked into the restaurant and saw the fucking dead guy with the fucking knife through his hand and was like, I was just about to turn in my cred. <laughs> how, how am I going to continue this chain now? I have to wait till tomorrow. Ah, I guess I'll go back to the fuck room. <laughs> you just kill time in the fuck room. Yep. It's a, it's a good way to kill time, frankly. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, the saddest part about uh, Logan stabbing that guy is that he was part of their pilot program to retask unemployed community theater actors as hosts. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I will say that the, the more video game quest lines, like they really do a great job the actors do and the direction of standing out as npcs Mm -hmm. oh that when that eye patch makes it (laughs) it's so good yeah oh no the second i saw eye patch guy in the fucking dirt trying to get up i was like that is such an npc move it's amazing how they do it they do it without them like they look completely human Mm -hmm. you know that their costume is 100 percent spot on like it's not over the top separating them from the guests, but just everything about that action screams video game. Oh no! And and one of the things I really love is when they do like the quest givers who are like saying things out loud and not speaking directly to the player, but being loud enough that the player can hear them. Yeah, yeah. That I love that. That's always one of my favorite uh, MMO NPC moves. So, so he stabs that guy in the hand, and then they walk away. He's like. Uh, I don't want to eat anyway. I worked up another appetite. And then William does the most beta thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life, which is to wait in the waiting room while Logan's fucking uh, like plethora of hookers at this establishment. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's – oh, let me tell you. He goes he, – he, I believe he went to the evil bisexual room. Yes. He went to the evil bisexual room. Uh, and he's getting all his fluids changed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then th- this fucking – Clementine. This fucking – she has a name. McCuck over here. <laughs> uh, this Hillary yeah. Clinton supporter. <laughs> Listen, when you've got true love, you don't need to fuck a robot. You don't need to. But you want to. You want to. Cle- Cle- Clementine's there. Uh, yeah. And, and she does her Clementine-y things. Yeah, and she's like, oh, you don't want to fuck me because you got true love? All right, that's cool. I'll just wait over here and finger myself. <laughs> that, that is I assume that's what the robots there. are doing in their off time. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, it reminded me, I went to Amsterdam and I saw somebody waiting outside you, of a brothel you, for you their saw- friend. <laughs> and I've never been more disgusted with anything in my life. Like, how, how broke are you? Like, go to a cafe, go to a bar, <laughs> meet up Please. later, do it's something else. Literally, it's literally legal. Yeah. <laughs> Go do mushrooms. Have a conversation with a bush. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do in Amsterdam. Right. If you're waiting outside of a brothel in Amsterdam, you are doing it wrong. You Get a strip up. waffle, smoke some weed, go to a museum. Yeah, that 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 is what you do. Go look exactly. at a, go look at a bunch of self portraits of by a guy who kind of looks like me. <laughs> 
I feel like every uh, mid 18th century uh, Amsterdam painter was a Red Scott. There's a, there's a lot. Listen, people don't give Vincent Van Gogh enough credit for starting the selfie movement. <laughs> He's basically the 17th century Kim Kardashian. <laughs> he did start the selfie mutilation movement. Yeah, that was later. He he was trying to do something different. He took a wrong turn. Uh, but we can't all get it right. By the way, if you don't give me credit for the pun selfie mutilation, you can just fucking kiss this male <laughs> friendship goodbye. No, selfie mutilation, as originally uh, uh, created by Ivan Hernandez. That's how I'll use that <laughs> phrase. Thank you. Till the day I die. Uh, so cut from there to Ford, going to a distant edge of the park uh, in the underground area, and then he goes through an elevator to above ground. He talks to a boy. They try. Oh, no, you skipped a, you skipped a oh, fucking... Oh uh, yeah, you skipped uh, oh, Lee Sizemore. Sizemore being oh he was so being crunch time Johnny. He was like, I don't like this nose. Fucking boom hits the goddamn robot with a fucking uh, tray. tray. Uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, we we see him working on the new storyline. Teresa wants to know if he's even gotten approval for the story. We hear that Ford hasn't cared about a storyline in years, so he just assumes it's going to be rubber stamped, which is the first moment we know it will not be rubber stamped, and that Ford <laughs> will absolutely care about this storyline. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we get uh, Ford and his personal elevator. Ford goes to his personal elevator at the edge of the park. In the second, in as many episodes, they try and pull the, this is not a host, this is a real person trick. Uh, and I wondered a little bit if it was real initially, but this is this little boy is clearly a host. And in retrospect, Really? The little boy? Because uh, I thought he kind of played as a human because he was like, yeah, I'm here having a vacation with my family. I'm pretty – if you asked me to put money on it right now, I'm guessing that the boy is himself. they dress similarly, and I'm guessing it's his own childhood that the that, kid's loaded with. That could be fair. I do think that his dialogue got to the point where it was being way too on the nose when he was like, yes, I've, I've strayed a bit too far from where I'm supposed to be. It's like, fucking all right, this fucking episode of multiple thesis statements for the series. So the the moment that I'm certain he's a host, and I, I'm curious how you interpreted this. This is pretty much at the end of the episode, but we can talk mm-hmm. about it now. Um, is when he says, you're not going to come around here anymore, are you? And he's sort of like, eyes deaden, his head falls forward a little bit. He says, no, I'm not. And then the like stick just falls out of his hand. And he like just like hmm. turns around 180 degrees and just walks off. Huh, that's fair. I kind of interpreted it as them just not like not knowing how to write an actual believable little kid. Oh, that'd be uh, amazing if that were true. If the, if there <laughs> if it turns out that there's a lot of times where we're not sure if somebody's a host or not, and it's just because the writing's so dead and wooden, that would be <laughs> incredible. Honestly, I feel like everybody in this show might be a host. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that certainly that's a theory that I have. If if you're gonna have this show go on long enough, we're definitely gonna find out that at least one of these staff members is a host. Oh, no, fucking, are you kidding? No, there is no way that this uh, show doesn't end the first season without somebody being revealed a, se- a secret robot. Who's that your money? is, oh, man. So Ford's the obvious choice. Ford's the obvious choice, but he seems, ooh, that'd be great if he was replaced by the robot of himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly uh, what it would be. Yeah. yeah. It's possible oh, that man. he doesn't even know he's a robot. Oh, well, listen, from all of the robot subplots we've ever seen in fiction... The robot never knows it's a robot. No, no, it does not. No, no. That is a. I, I think that Ford is the more obvious choice. Huh. Who would. Uh, Jeffrey Wright? Too obvious. Be, uh, that's, again, that's just the fact a, that yeah. he's super Asperger's y. 
Um, I feel like that's it's shitty and obvious to make him actually a robot. <laughs> I mean, listen, if we're going to go just by people acting as burglary, I think I might be podcasting with a robot right now. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not a robot. Did you not watch the video that I posted to our Patreon feed where I? <laughs> Honestly, looking at your cold, dead eyes, I was like, I can only watch like a minute of this. Uh, they're beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> the last thing, the last thing, the last thing I say in that video is, I am not a robot. <laughs> Are we ever going to trust the robot who says he's not a robot? <laughs> I understand it's a mistake that's been made before, but I'm asking you to trust me now, as I am not a robot. That's exactly what a robot would say. You have to understand. I'm going to have to cut you open first. No, I'm I'm a robot. I like science fiction. I love American NFL games, just like every red-blooded American non-robot. <laughs> that is definitely what a robot would I'm say. I'm just saying that my interest in sports is not a cover. It's a genuine interest <laughs> that a robot would not have. So... I, I feel like this uh, season is going to end with me finding out you're a robot. <laughs> uh, well, if it does, it'll be the best season of podcasting ever. <laughs> it really will be. It turns out you've just been talking to Siri this whole time. <laughs> oh, no. No wonder you were telling me all of those useful facts and booking appointments for me. Lee Sizemore uh, dislikes the uh, design of the host, hits him with it. Uh, so we have uh, Ford to the edge of the park, Lawrence and the man in black. We cut back to this storyline, which... If you may have seen online the cantina scene with the sort of church in the background of Spanish design is a set that was also used in Arrested Development. So there is a picture you can find online that has the same set from the same angle uh, that has the stair car on it. What, what do they call that? I forget. The stair. It's the stair car. The stair they car. call it the stair car. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing. And. I'm not going to lie. It pulls me out of that scene every time. I hope they don't use the cantina ever <laughs> now again. That you know, no. Now that you know, you can't, you can't it. unsee it. Uh, so, but that is hilarious. The bartender comes <laughs> out. I really like the, the bartender comes out excited to see Lawrence, but then his face just falls, as you would expect it to when you see a murderous god is loading a gun at your friend. <laughs> oh, and, and listen, I would have been scared just when he gave me the horns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's yeah. not how, is that a way to order two shots? Does that work? I don't know. I have no idea what he was trying to do with that. I don't know if he was trying to be like, hey, I'm the devil, or he was trying to order two drinks. Wait, wait Steph, if somebody throws you the horns, if anybody here has worked bartender, would you give them shots, or would you shoot them? That's my question. <laughs> Which of those two? Shots or shoot. Yeah. Shots or shoot. Uh, the bu- Actually, I think that would be a good title for the episode, Shots or Shoot. Shots or Shoot would be great. So the bullets still occupy too much of my time. They look like real bullets, but they don't affect him at all. He doesn't even bounce mm-hmm. like William does when he gets shot. Just very, very concerning. He calmly reloads his revolver uh, because nobody else can touch him. Uh, and you got anything to tell me, Lawrence? And he says, no. Trying to move the story along, he shoots his mm-hmm. bartender friend. And he, yeah. he still doesn't give any information up. Cut to backstage. Ashley Stubbs is asked if they should slow down the man in black. He responds, that gentleman gets whatever he wants. And what does... Yeah, so we know... Th- th- I have two uh, questions. We know that he's a VIP. Well, I have two questions. One, uh, what does slowing him down even look like in a world where he's invulnerable? And two... Yeah, that... And two, you give the... Is he stating... what The line is ambiguous when he says, that gentleman gets whatever he wants... Well, I, I copied that word for word. So that quote mm-hmm. could mean, oh, 
he is a v- VIP, you give that gentleman whatever he wants. Or it could be interpreted as that gentleman takes whatever he wants. Mm. So, I'm going to interpret it as the first one. Uh-huh. Uh, and when they say uh, slow him down, I assume it just means... Uh, God, what does it mean? Because I, I would assume that throwing more NPCs at him does nothing. No. So I would assume that it is... Uh, do we uh, give him the next phase of the quest line, or do we string him along more? Possible, yeah. Def- but yeah, they are. It's it's very ambiguous because he, I mean, they are sp- explicitly talking about like he's going through a lot of bodies today, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> putting an end to a lot of storylines that we're going to have to bring mm-hmm. into our weird Holocaust room to clean up. <laughs> um, so. So an important thing that keeps coming up is in the first episode we heard that there was an incident 30 years ago. It's it's referred to in an aside like we haven't had, you know, that type of incident for 30 years. We we find out that the man in black has been coming here for 30 years. He he says the line in this line which I hadn't caught uh because I hadn't seen the third episode yet. In a sense, I was born here. Oh, that's one of those lines that if if this is the it's really going to tell whether or not this is a good show or a bad show if he turns out to have been a robot the entire time. Well, I I have I have theories about that. We will get into it tomorrow. Uh, But so Mm -hmm. that's something that is a line you should be aware of uh, because there are definite huge hints going through the first three episodes about who this character is. You're going to hear more of them. That's when you need to be aware of uh, that 30 years ago, he was introduced to the park one way or another. And in a sense, he was born here. seems meaningful. Yeah. Uh, so I will say again, watching this scene and trying to figure out the rules, he puts his gun away, stabs a dude in the head, kills most of the rest of them with a gun. There's like one of those impossible shots that you're like, ah, oh, they're doing auto aiming. Oh I, yeah. I figured it. Yeah. He was like, he's using an aim hack. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know enough about guns to know why cocking his gun weirdly uh, let him shoot through a wall. Yeah, yeah. I assume that that is pure aim hackery where, you know, he gets the gun that fucking violates the laws of physics because he paid the microtransactions to get the uh, press button to win gun. But there are two elements to this fight that are either confusing or sloppy world building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... A guy shoots through a bottle. So that has to be a live bullet. A projectile went through the air and exploded the glass bottle. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that is, that is that a projectile. Immediately, yeah. And I mean, we knew that the bullets could hit inanimate objects before because they had hit inanimate objects exactly. before. And also, at the end of that battle, another guy tackles him. And he has to that, fight him off. So there is some physical fair, violence in the park. To be fair... The guy never does anything that would seem to hurt him. No. All he does is, like, grab his wrist and force him against a wall. Right. So he's not, like, stabbing him or punching him or anything. Right. Um, I, I, I'd be, it'll be interesting to see if they make attempts to disarm them. I mean, certainly in video games, mm-hmm. they could, like, throw him in prison for a while, and then he has to, like, talk his way out. That'd be a, like, storyline that wouldn't involve them, uh, you know, perpetuating violence on this character. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, the, the world's rules seem very confusing. I'm also more and more convinced that this one character specifically has some sort of god mode access uh, yeah. that other characters do not. Definitely. L- Lawrence still won't admit that he knows anything uh, that will help the men in black. I, 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 
it, it seemed like maybe he doesn't know, but I'm pretty sure he does. The, the daughter gives it up once he shoots her mom, Lawrence's lady. And the clue... Yeah, the, the, the maze isn't meant for you. Unless you buy the Maze DLC, three ninety nine. By the way, I, I'm glad we established the world with such affordable DLCs. That was very forward looking <laughs> of us. They're annoying, but it's it's nice that you can just buy them all and not worry about it too much. I said three ninety nine, three hundred and ninety nine. No. <laughs> uh, but you get the, eighty thousand dollars worth of bespoke boots if you choose it. <laughs> It really, if you think about it, it all evens out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, Man in Black says, when you're suffering, that's when you're most real. Yeah. It's like, dude, if you want to torture a robot, just kick an Ibo. Yeah. Just kick yeah. an Ibo. They're so yeah, old exactly. at this point. They're the most primitive robots. They, they really are. Most toasters are more complex than the, that Sony Ibo at this point. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, you and then we find out. Uh, the main goal of the man in black, which is, I'm never going back. But it's more like, I'm never going back. <laughs> but it's more like, I'm never going back. That I th- you're not gonna go like for another three minutes. That look, I could, but I I think that we all owe it to everybody to tell them to go uh online and look up Mary Van Notes a uh, bit about Canada on YouTube. Yeah, getting I'm never coming back. Um. By the way, I do, I do think that there is a specific division between uh, comedians who constantly quote Mary Van Notes, I'm never coming back, and comedians who don't. Oh, yeah. No, that, that is a line I don't want to cross. I don't want to be on the other side of that. Oh, no, that's a bad line. <laughs> the, the people on the other side of that line are not good people. So the clue that she gives, which we've been dancing around for a while, follow the blood arroyo to the place where the snake lays eggs. Which, the, there's a very naive reading of that which is follow the killing, the blood mm. river, back to where all the bodies come from. And if you're trying to escape the body park, that seems like a good uh, hint. I hope it's not that direct. I, I'm going to say that considering the level of uh, foreshadowing on this show. It's correct. It could be correct. Um, yeah, I, I, I had forgotten, I had written down, uh, I'm never coming back. <laughs> In my own notes. Uh, I just wrote it subconsciously. I didn't even think about it. Uh, Everybody does. Back to Ford and the boy again. Here we are. Nowhere land. You can see what a bored mind can conjure. He's inspiring the kid dead poet society style. Mm-hmm. He's either talking to himself as a child or inspiring a host child or talking to a real child. I th- to me, it only makes sense as... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I see him as a host child. If we don't see him again, okay. I'm going to say definitely host child. Uh, what we'll see in the future. He sees the rattlesnake, stops it with his mind. <laughs> and the snake is a robot, too. Yeah. Which, obviously, all of the animals would have to be robots to prevent them from killing humans. Right. So we, we knew, and they sort of have, they did a good job of introducing that by showing us that horses are all biological. Um, but that, that's kind of genius. Yeah. No, the horses are all robots. The horses are all robots, yes. Yeah. Um, which we had said was weird, but now kind of makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And then... And then we see... I actually had noticed this the first time. There's a cross in the background, which they show us again at the very end of the episode. It's yeah. very tiny in this. Uh, is there a good word for that? Where like They have one of them in Game of Thrones where it's like sort of a cross tower, but it's like sort of barrel-shaped at the bottom, but you can't really go in it. Yeah, I don't know what the, the technical term for those things would be. If you know what it is, hit us up on Twitter at Borscore Swords. Let us know what the <laughs> church thing is. Uh, we get... 
Bernard and Teresa. Tale as old as time. The boss using the Asperger's programmer as a sex toy. A tale as old as time. <laughs> told again and again. And, and let me tell you, nobody fucks like a guy with mild autism. And I'm saying that from experience, ladies. <laughs> she pumps him for information as well as semen as they're lying in bed. <laughs> the biological androids are talking to each other. We learn is for practice, which we've already discussed. Uh, is there anything else major in that scene? I don't think so. They're, um, basically, they, their fucking gives you time to get over the fact that they're fucking before they move on with the storyline. <laughs> Listen, you gotta you gotta have that fuck explanation. Yes, we we go to Eloise debugging Maeve. I I can't. I like Eloise as a creep. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I do too. I think that she's a good little creep actress. I, I'm just trying to think. Like, it's just a underutilized archetype. The like the attractive lady creep. Hmm. Um. I, I think yeah, they're usually they're usually older and more in a position of power because fucking guys love to do the oh look at this lady creep exploiting her power fucking storyline right and and I f- I feel like she's gonna just do some general badassery at some point like just really stab somebody in the neck suddenly mm-hmm. oh yeah when, listen when the when the actual robot revolution goes down I am putting a lot of money on her to be uh, one of the main fucking robot killers yeah yeah. Eloise, Robot Hunter. It's going to be the first spinoff. Uh, uh, oh, if these poor assholes knew what the guests were doing to them. Um, I'm right here. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things is that when she's listing all the things that are wrong with Maeve, one of the mm-hmm. things is a little cognitive D. <laughs> oh, she's getting that D. Uh and she's like, ah, oh, these fucking men, in- increasing aggressiveness, bumper emotional uh, ability, 1.5%. Emotional acuity, yeah. And she'll be more tuned in than any man ever has in her life. Just a nice soft, <laughs> soft touch and reverts her aggressiveness. Uh, and when she says she's got some physical discomfort, the idea of them having a nervous system is a fucking nightmare. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we find out that they are vulnerable to biological diseases later. Yeah. We, yeah. So they really are biological androids. I've, They're replicants. <sighs> They're fucking replicants. Yeah. We cut to yeah. her knocking. Uh, the, oh, and we, we find out. We find out that the reason that they have nightmares is because they are programmed in so that in case somebody forgets to mind wipe the robot, yeah. it fucking buries those memories of being uh, pulled apart and shit as nightmares. Yeah. Which, how do you forget to mind wipe a robot in Westworld? It's the only job you have. It's been thirty years. Nothing's gone wrong since the incident. But since, but since Westworld, a place where nothing can possibly go wrong. But listen, but since the incident, which we're not going to talk about today, it's been fine. Like that was a long time ago. That was thirty years ago. Oh my god, our processes Dude. were so crappy since the incident. This is literally the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode. <laughs> I totally know this what you're whole series about. is Itchy and Scratchy Land. Oh, right. Uh, it, it's the one where we get to see uh, Itchy cut up like steaks all the way through. <laughs> uh, so we cut to her knocking it out of the park with a new guest. Uh, mm-hmm. He basically jizzes as she hands him off to Clementine. Maeve has a talk to te- with Teddy. Teddy, mm-hmm. he seems convinced. Oh, I love this double entendre that could play well in the park, but also seems like they're becoming more sentient by the minute. It's really fun to listen to. And the man said that Maeve could earn up to $2 a day with her pussy, which, what's crazy about that conversation... Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He could earn $2 a day. 
and she could get 30%, which that's a pretty bad deal. Listen, yeah. she's the one who owns the means of operation. Yeah, it's, listen, it's a pretty close deal to what people get from iTunes. <laughs> it really, he was offering her the iTunes deal. Uh, the man, and, and what's crazy is by offering her a deal that she could opt into, he was still treating her better than Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not going to be a deal that women can opt out of. No. Not under that administration. And the man just comes in and shoots Teddy four times for no reason and says, now that's a fucking vacation. Uh, uh, and I, who, who doesn't dream of torturing James Marsden on vacation? I will say, I don't remember the context I was going for if there's a greater one, but I wrote down, this dude works in finance. <laughs> it's the only place bloody enough for them. And we cut to Maeve back at home at the end of the day. I, mm-hmm. God, there's not enough world building in this show. I want to know what the robots are doing. Like, do they normally actually sleep? Do they need sleep? They shouldn't need sleep. Yeah. I mean, I assume that they sleep because we are... It, it's made pretty explicit that there is, you know, it's not just a day-long cycle because fucking Jimmy and his dumb pal stay overnight in the brothel. Right. Do they... Yeah. Do they... Do they... Can they digest food? Do they... I, I mean, we know that they can drink. Yeah. Uh, I would assume that they would have to be able to at least put food in their bodies. Yes. To maintain immersion. <laughs> I, would, I would love at some point if some, somebody doing a repair just like reached in, pulled out a full muffin and started eating it like one of the repairs. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just, I just feel really bad for the guy whose job it is to clean the cum out of the robots. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough job. <laughs> Maeve back at home flashes back to her daughter in a dream, uh, and then is getting scalped by some Native Americans in a pulpy nineteenth century storyline. I, I yeah. feel like it's weird because like I I I feel the need to like explain like I understand the storyline is problematic as fuck, but it's being presented as problematic as fuck. It's being presented as a pulpy, uh, insensitive uh, dollar book. Well, you know, five cent book yeah. that they would have had. Uh, about cowboys and Indians that obviously would not be made today. Uh, yeah. Except in They're Red doing... Dead Redemption. That, I was literally about to say, which, by the way, I feel like Westworld is what made uh, Rockstar be like, all right, we got to fucking give these people the sequel already. Yeah. And and then we see the man in black coming after her with a big fuck off. This is a knife style knife. Oof, yeah. And, like, it's just what... This is why you don't give robots fake robot kids. Yeah. If you just completely cut the robots off from being able to form emotional attachments, none of this would be a problem. Yeah, one, one thing I always fight with, like, even I'm watching that scene, and as human beings, we're watching, like, no, not with the kid. Like, that's terrible. But it's also their biological androids, and I just don't believe that they would have been constructed so perfectly that they have an intact biological imperative uh, that when they have the nightmare back to protecting their child that it has some extra special meaning. Like, that's another small android that's the same age as she is. <laughs> that, here's the thing. You have to protect your children. This is one of those stupid fucking shows where it's like, oh, no, kids are the most important thing in the fucking world, which ugh, we'll get into that in episode three. But it's like, oh, another dead kid storyline. Yeah. All all people who are showrunners are old enough and rich enough that they haven't can afford kids to be raised by their nanny. But they think mm-hmm. their novel coming up with like, oh, let's talk about how being how special being a dad is. And you're like, that's every goddamn uh, storyline. It, it always is the fucking stupid dead kid. Although, to be fair, I did get it wrong because I thought it was going to be Ford's dead kid. Yes. Yes. I was like, yeah. when he texted me that, I was like, mm. 
still, still, it's a stupid dead kid storyline. There, there is a stupid get dead kid storyline, and I'm glad I caught the picture in the first episode of him staring mm-hmm. at his child's photograph. Yeah. Um. So, so she's back at home. The man in black is killing her, and to get out of this nightmare, she closes her eyes, counts back three, two, one, and one of the most beautifully done shots. Because I think what they do, uh, this is, this is just getting a little. Uh, behind the scenes, because I watched this like five times just to try and figure out what they were doing. I think what they actually do is they zoom in on her face, and then they change the lighting actually in that scene. They don't switch to the other scene, and they have the voiceover, and when they actually switch to her on the board is when they uh, go up to look at the other actors who are operating on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's completely flawless. Uh, yeah. It's it's very well done. They, they, oh, no, nobody's saying that this show isn't fucking beautifully made and a classic horrifying waking up on the operating table scene oh yeah we get a little bit more information about uh the specifics of the robot it turns out that they can get mrsa yeah uh yeah so they are if not vulnerable to disease they are able to carry disease at least. Yes, they they can uh yes, they can carry disease at least. They have biological uh they're they're made out of biological meat. We can have vegan meat yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, that's what people have been trying to fucking do. They've been getting pretty close. Oh god. Apparently it, it, the it, the last iteration of the lab-grown uh fucking piece of beef gets pretty close. It's still like it's still like something crazy like $500 a pound. Right. But they're getting there. It's they're afraid of her. So they're afraid of her. Just watching this scene gives me so many questions. So I think we're supposed to learn a couple things from this scene. One, mm-hmm. um, I think there's some sort of – they're keyed in to certain people who have security ability to like drop them into analysis mode. Because if it was yeah. Bernard there, there's a bunch of stuff that he could have done to just disable her with his voice. Yeah, and uh, they yeah they must not give it to the lower uh, level employees because they fucking were like, uh-oh, what do we do? Yeah, they had no idea. Uh, they're afraid of her even though – one of their main imperatives is that she can't harm guests, but I wonder if there's mm. something about the context that she wouldn't be able to tell if they're guests or not. Yeah. She's got, she's got a knife, so she has a weapon, which... Yeah, uh, she picks up a scalpel. Also, is she is able to, she's able to operate and, you know, run around and shit, despite having a giant fuck-off hole cut in her. Right. Uh, but she is injured. It's not like she yeah. can just ignore it completely. Like, it's not just a tear in her flesh. It's clearly causing her... Uh, some discomfort, and uh, and she as she tries to run away, she stumbles down mm-hmm. the hall. Uh, well, and keep in mind, no, it's actually the next episode that we learned that certain certain characters are able to wield weapons, and certain ones are not. Yeah. So the fact the, that the weapon the clearance, that, right? So she actually she does have a gun at the end of the first episode, so she presumably does have weapon clearance. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's literally a nightmare cleaning room that, to me, was very reminiscent of a Holocaust gas, gas chamber. Yeah. Oh, they, I don't think that they're, you know, I don't think that that wasn't, uh, I think that was intentional. That For was sure. not unintentional. There's, it's it's horrifying, but it was also so over-the-top horrifying. Uh, there was, like, certain details that they, that I felt like they were just having fun. I felt, this felt like one of those Oh, scenes. the hose? I think anytime you have a hose, it's like... All right, guys, we get it. Uh, the one to me it was actually because those clearly in that scene, a lot of the bodies were not human bodies. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because all obviously all the yeah, it's all, all the hosts are actors robots. and actresses. No, yeah. no, but I'm saying in reality. Oh no, in real life. <laughs> They're all actors and actresses. And in that scene, two people just threw a body and it like bounced. It was so made of rubber. Oh, no. I almost laughed when I saw that happen. Um, Whereas, as we've just been discussing, they're biological to the extent that, you know, they can get diseases. They wouldn't just bounce like they're made of rubber. Uh, But listen, they can't they can't be they can't be thrown around an actor. Not with all the not with all the union violations they've already piled up. Right. Uh, she she catches a glimpse of James Marsden, who she's been talking to earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he is just pumped full of fucking bullet holes. Yeah, and they catch her. They catch her. Uh, I swear, I put her in sleep mode. Does this look like fucking sleep mode? And it's mm-hmm. fascinating to me again that they give her a biological injection to put her to sleep instead yeah. of having some easy software way to switch her off once they get close enough. Yeah, like hold a the... dog clicker right up to her ear and just go, <laughs> and have her go to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and and uh, also we got a we got a little bit of a look at the uh, office complex. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, so we know that you know it's a big fuck off office complex, but we don't get any sort of wide view that would give us an indication of its placement in the world. Right. That that's actually something I noticed. Um, when Ford, we don't see him riding at it, but when Ford's in his private elevator he has gotten mm-hmm. off sort of a, a a train right there which suggests that there's a train underneath the park that so that people can get across it quickly to, which again mm-hmm. suggests the scope of the park that they built that in the first place um we get we go back at this point to the very first scene where dolores is walking out into the yard i think she says here out loud mm-hmm. um and then digs in the dirt with her hands, uncovers a weapon, a gun of mysterious origin. It is in fitting with the design of the guns in the park, so it's not clear if it's just a gun that she's stolen from somebody or if it's a gun that would work elsewhere without the limitations that exist in the park. I, I, I feel like this is Hopkins' is doing. I feel like this is Ford, you know, advancing part of his storyline. Gotcha. And so we... And we, speaking of which, we cut from there to Lee Sizemore. Oh, this is this fucking Ford canceling this guy's DLC is one of my favorite scenes in this show. They make his story like I feel like they played back and forth with like how ridiculously bad can we make his story and still make it sound plausible. <laughs> um, but the, and they went pretty bad. The, the line they went pretty bad. I think we both have the same. The line where they went over the top. Was like, and we have something I call the Horoboros. <laughs> the Horoboros. I think that's the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was just like, oh. Because there's some of it that's just very cliche and mm-hmm. in line with some of the other stuff. Besting fearsome brave, seducing nubile maidens that you're like, well, that's not that great. Getting to know what they're most interested in themselves. And it's like, is this a freshman 101 essay? <laughs> this really is game design 101. And. It's not called Red Dead Redemption. It, no, it's called Odyssey on Red River. <laughs> the most generic possible DLC name. Ford's reaction? No. No. <laughs> I love that so much. I just love Sizemore's face just falling and he, he's just, as, as fucking Ford gamesplains uh, <laughs> how the world works to him. Yeah. Oh. They didn't come because of the... They, they came back because of the subtleties. Which is interesting because I also noticed earlier in the episode, 
the man in black is commenting on that. Mm-hmm. He's saying like, ah, oh, I love all the details in the game. Like, I didn't even know you had a family. I know, I know how you, I know which way your dick hangs. I know which song you whistle when you're pissing. <laughs> uh, but I, but he, the man in black, very similar to the, to another creator, uh, or <laughs> to Ford, uh, just loves little details in the park. Like it's mm-hmm. a conversation they'd had before. Uh, then it shows, mm. then it shows William walking up to Dolores to give her the condensed milk, similar condensed sweetened milk, similar to what the Man in Black did, which is part of why a lot of people tied those two characters together. And then we go back to Lee Sizemore. Is there anything you like about it? What size are those boots? <laughs> are they bespoke? Oh, they're the most bespoke. And then we see Bernard and Ford walking in the desert, same place as before. Uh, the board shall have a new storyline, something I've been working on for quite some time. Something very <laughs> original. Or not, because it's so, based on an existing movie. <laughs> I was about to say, it's something quite original. It's a remake of the 1973 film Westworld. <laughs> Nobody's seen anything like it in, I'm going to say, 43 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the episode. And that takes us to the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for listening so much. Again, we're going to have a lot of content this week. I understand a lot of people Ooh. take a little bit to go through it. You've got your commutes to get to. But, uh, yeah. you know, listen, get caught up. Uh, yeah, uh, we are switching to Westworld, uh, and uh, if you love the book club so much that you need to listen to it, uh, we'll be dropping the book club episode that we already recorded onto the Patreon. So get on that shit. Patreon.com slash swords. Please give us money. We love money. And also, we just figured out how to actually get at it, so it's now very important. Yes. Um, and the, to, to be clear, we'll be dropping the, the Patreon-only book club episode uh, mm. next week. Well, Patreon advance. We will be putting that one in the main feed once all of the Westworld is done. All right. Indeed. All right. And, yeah, that's about it. You can find us on Twitter at Swords. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Boyscore and Swords. You can find Ivan on Twitter at Ivan underscore Hernandez. And you can find Red on Twitter at Red underscore Scott. Bye. See ya.